Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. Ladies, today my guest is going to hype you up to go chase your dreams, to pivot your career, to go for it, to live a life that you love. Let me introduce you to Jess Bergio, who is a self-proclaimed hype girl whose passion is helping you build the confidence to chase your dreams. She's a former beauty entrepreneur of 22 years and is the founder and host of her own highly rated podcast show called Unscripted. She's an author, mentor, speaker, a mama helping female entrepreneurs connect their voice to their brand through podcasting. She and her partner co-own Media Unscripted, which is a full-service podcast management agency. But today we're going to talk about getting a little bit uncomfortable when you walk away from something that's working, how to remove expectations through all of the hard stuff and how to just go for it. This is a great conversation and you guys are going to love her. So let's get to it. Jess, welcome. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? Really good. I always love getting to connect and podcast. So Mm. I'm super excited. All right, so let's jump into it then, because you call yourself a self-proclaimed hype girl. I love that to my absolute core, but I want to rewind a little bit because your whole journey into the online space and what you do now started with COVID, right? Because you were a hairdresser? Correct, yes. And the so, world shut down? Yeah. Yes, it did. <laughs> and you shut down. So what happened? So... Luckily, I had been curious about what else was out there for me as far as like business wise. And so about a year prior to this lockdown, it was actually January, February of 2019, I joined my very first business mastermind in hopes of learning about the online space. I had watched some mentors of mine who from years before fitness, you know, in the fitness world, um, kind of go in this direction of masterminds and business and meetups and workshops and while I had experienced that in the hair world, I had never really taken the time to see what that would look like online, right? Because I was a service-based business that still traded time for money, A, and then B was like an in-person touch you. Like we always felt untouchable as hairdressers, right? Like no one was going to take this career from us because, you know, as much as technology can advance, like only, only like a human can give this service. So But there was like a turning point for me uh, about 18 years into my career. My son was probably about seven or eight at the time. And I remember thinking, you know, if I keep going at this pace, like I know exactly what my life's going to look like in five years, in 10 years. I had friends who were older than me who'd been in the industry a really long time. So I kind of just knew what that was going to look like, but I didn't know what it would look like if I bet on myself and tried to see what this online space was really about and maybe how I could fit into it. So luckily I had joined that mastermind, spent six months in that container, if you will, learning all things online business, marketing, just fire host information, things that were really new to me and things that I had never had to do when I was building my business yeah. 20 years ago, right? Because we, we didn't have all of this technology. We didn't have to do it this way. We did old school guerrilla marketing where you actually went out and talked to people. So it's interesting because then in that time that I was in that mastermind, I actually opened my very first salon. 
And then six months later, we were shut down. So not only did I really understand what that felt like, not only as a behind the chair stylist, but as a salon owner, as a startup, as a new business, all the things. And I thought to myself, wow, I think I really needed to experience this in order to help people who are in my current situation. Thank goodness I had already seen what it looked like to invest into other things that were outside of our industry in hopes of taking whatever skill set I had, which at the time, you know, I was kind of focused in the box of hairdressing. How could I figure out what else I was good at or I might be good at and explore what that would look like? And that's where the online coaching and stuff came into play where I tried to figure out like, what did my clients come to me for that wasn't just about the hair? Was it the support? Was it that I always made them believe in themselves a little bit more? Was I a safe space to, you know, share things with? And you know how you talk to your hairdressers. We've all told our hairdressers things that maybe nobody else knows. So I kind of just lean into that. And I I think I figured, oh, I just coached a hairdresser. So I started where I knew. And that's what my first kind of course and program entailed was helping stylists hit that six figure mark. Um, But it was kind of falling on deaf ears because we were closed and people didn't know whether they were coming or going. And it made a lot of people question like if this, this was the right industry for them. And it really slowed a lot of people down who were working like I was double booked with an assistant, just banging clients out from nine to nine, you know, three, four, five days a week and doing it the way we'd always done it. I think COVID helped a lot of us re shift what our focuses were and what else we wanted to maybe do, what else we could do. Just a lot of questions came up for people, a lot of like, oh my gosh, like, you know, taking a look at their life. And so in that time, I wanted to start a podcast for a couple of years. A lot of people in that group that I'd been with had started podcasts. The mentors included Chris and Lori Harder are two of my big uh, mentors in my life. That that was their mastermind that I joined. So I thought, well, you got the space in the salon. You've got some time. And one of my uh, last clients that had kind of jumped in as I opened the salon was a videographer. So we sat down, we kind of powwowed. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, I don't really know podcasting. I just know video. I said, let's just start recording and see what happens. So the original name for my show was Beauty Inspires Beauty because I had started these networking brunches in the midst of that mastermind six months prior to COVID where I brought hairdressers together to kind of network and hang out and just give them the support that 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 maybe I had always wished I had. And really it was me doing market research around like, what do you guys want? Like, what could I create that you might want to be a part of? And so again, during the lockdown, I tried to take those virtual and, and my industry just wasn't really in the headspace for all that. So I started recording episodes with local local friends of mine who were in the industry, just kind of sharing what they were going through. And I think the part for me wasn't just the opportunity, it was that the pain point was strong enough in my business, in my life to say, A, you've wanted the show for a long time, B, you don't have any more excuses, and C, you really have a hot topic to talk about. So even if this isn't the only thing you ever talk about, because I knew that COVID would end eventually, or I prayed it would, um, bring in your hairdresser friends. Let's share what's going on with us. Give a voice to the industry, like create the platform. And then I realized in those conversations that I loved asking them questions around how did you become successful? You know, you've been in the industry 15, 20 years, you own a salon, you started from shampoo bowl person like I did all the way up to, you know, owning a seven figure salon. How did you get here? And so it was in that I don't know, natural nosiness that I have. A lot of us hairdressers are nosy. We like to ask questions. We like to know all the things. I was like, ooh, I like this and it's appropriate. I can ask them anything I want. I (laughs) have proximity to them. I have this network of like people I've known because I grew up in San Diego. I'm 42. So, and I've been in the industry 22 years. I'm like, I think I got something here. And so that's how it all kind of started. And then 
back in January of 2023, which we're currently towards the mid to end of the year, um, I started to feel out of alignment with only speaking to my industry, you know, because now I'm a couple years in and I've been a part of that mastermind as a coach and facilitated a lot of different things for various entrepreneurs and online people just starting their business and really just seeing the needs are very similar across any entrepreneurship, you know, journey, if you will. And I really want to include other people while still including my industry. And that's where the shift changed back in January to unscripted. And if you follow me, if you get to know me, whether it's through this podcast or my own, you'll hear me talk very unscripted. Like um, I found when I tried to really script out my episodes, it was stifling and it wasn't truly who I am. I love to be in conversation. I love to let the magic happen, if you will. And so that's why podcasting for me is such an amazing platform to get to do that. And then also, you know, you have to be discerning. And just because you started doing something doesn't mean that's the only way you can do it. So lots of lessons in there. We can unpack whatever you want, but that's where it all came from. And uh, that's kind of where we're currently at. And people are really enjoying, um, you know, the not the randomness of the show, but my ability to be able to cover different subjects and talk about different things. So, you know, I'm 42. I'm a mom and, you know, I'm a hairdresser and I've done I've done a lot of things. So I've got some really interesting perspectives. And then sitting in those rooms for the last couple of years, I get to hear, you know, at, at times anywhere from 50 to 100 people sharing their life experiences and what's worked for them and what's not. So I'm like an endless ideator of content. And, you know, so that's why for me, this is like super fun. I, you know, what I love about this is we have such similar stories in different industries. So I was, am a divorce lawyer and I found myself that same January, February, 2020 being like, well, what am I missing? Like there has to be more, there has to be something beyond my service. And when everything shut down, I'm like, well, courts are closed. What better time to start a podcast and to figure this out. And I did the same thing. I hyper-focused initially on divorce because that was my trade. And then switched to something broader and my podcast switched from happy even after to what it is now with she who wins and these broader topics. And, and so it's the same thing. And I love, I think the lesson here is no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, whatever your background is, no matter how many degrees are on your wall, the certifications, like you can pivot at any time and turn that into something else. But let me ask you, did you have a moment where that was absolutely terrifying? Because are you still doing the, you don't own the salon anymore, right? No. So okay. let's see, we reopened um, that summer. And then within about six months of reopening, getting everything back to order, hiring people again. Uh, I had a girl that I used to work with years prior come to me and ask me, she was an esthetician to, to build a room out in the small space that I had. And it got me thinking about how I had, now I'm six months into the podcast, right? And, and where I could go with an online space and how I didn't really need to be connected to a brick and mortar. But I had this identity shift of like, if I don't own a salon, then I'm not successful anymore. Yeah. And I had had a lot of conversations with hairdressers in that time thinking like, if I'm not a hairdresser, like, who am I? And I thought to myself, you don't need to have these accolades on the business card that says owner for nobody gives a fuck. You yeah. know what I mean? So like, I, I went to that same girl and I said, would you be interested in buying the salon? And it was like this easy transaction and I was able to sell the salon for profit and still work there while someone else ran it and did all the things. Uh, and I thought, what a win-win. I created my dream space. I'm, he I'm here and I get to work for someone I respect and know. And it just kind of like all evolved from there. But yeah, 
allowing yourself to explore that pivot. But also like with you and I, we niched into what we knew in the beginning. And that's also a lesson because I think a lot of people, if you're listening to podcasts like this, you're ambitious, you're, you're, you can figure things out. You're, you probably have a lot of things that you're good at, which can be overwhelming when you're yeah. smart and you're resourceful and you can get shit done. You sometimes like over give yourself options, which feels overwhelming with a podcast, right? Because there's no parameters. It's yours. There's no boss. There's no one telling you exactly what to create and do. And an entrepreneurship's like that for a lot of people. They have an idea, but then they have 1200 other ideas. And then they see other people doing this and that. And they're like, holy shit. And so it keeps them stuck and they don't, they don't take any action. And so I knew deep down that forever and always, I wouldn't only speak to my industry. I've always been interested in other things. And I guess multi-passionate, if you will, I don't know who's not, but it allowed for me to just start And even the name was never even picked out. Like my brunches were called the Beauty Insider Brunches. And then I created merch from my friend who has like an online shop. She's like, you need to have sweatshirts. So that's where Beauty Inspires Beauty came from. And you can see it's still like in, it's it was my first quote unquote brand. So I built like this brand around the name. And then the video guy was like, well, we got to name your podcast. I'm like, I don't know, it's the Jessica show. He's like, just call it Beauty Inspires Beauty. And I was like, okay. He's like, you can change it whenever you want. I was like, I like knowing that. I can change cover. I can change my name. I can change anything. And that's, what's cool about podcasting is like, you own it. It's yours. There's no algorithm on Instagram that says you can only change it every 14 days. Like you can have a different podcast name every day. If you want, you can change your cover art every day. You can be whoever you want in this space, which is the most freeing thing for someone like me, who's a creative who like tomorrow, maybe I'm going to shave my head and dye it black. I don't know. (laughs) So it's, it's been really, really neat. And, and what what I love about the, the whole podcasting world is it's totally like your podcast name unscripted. It's unfiltered. Like we don't have, we don't have to worry about filters it, fixing us up or making it perfect. Conversations just flow. Sometimes they're messy. Sometimes they elicit tears, sometimes laughter. Like you don't know what the heck is going to come out of a conversation that you have with someone. And I think those are like always the best conversations. Totally. So, all right. You talk about removing expectation and laughing through like the shit. So I want to, I want to go there because I know people listening are like, Oh, but she figured it out and it's all perfect. And it's all like entrepreneurship is messy. It's imperfect. There's tons of shit. Um, so how, how, how did you, what particular like tools were in your toolbox on how to deal with the road blocks and the bumps and the obstacles and the challenges and all of that. Because I think that's where people, a lot of people want to quit at that point that like, this isn't working. I'm going to quit. I'm going to do something else. So how did you handle that? For sure. Well, life, you know, school of hard knocks has taught me that it's going to keep happening and you have two choices on how you react or respond. And, um, you know, that that's like with anything. I think if you grew up an athlete, you know, you're not always going to win. Um, if you're a parent, you definitely know you're not going to win every day. Uh, you take a lot of a lot of you know knocks to the chin. You 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 can call them failures if you want, but they're usually just redirections. And once I learned to yeah. stop taking life so personal, you know, shit wasn't always happening to me. But if you if you pay attention and look around, it's happening to everybody, and it's all a matter of how you decide you're going to feel about it. So when people are like, "You made me feel," and I'm like, "If I did that, that sure, I'll maybe take responsibility, but you also." allowed me to let you feel like that or, or make you feel like that. So it's been a combination of therapy over the years. It's a combination of realizing that my responses weren't serving me. I was very reactionary as a teenager, as a kid, I was always on the defense. Um, 
I was always the one that had to have the last word and I had to like make sure you knew what I was like. That, and that didn't serve me. It didn't serve me right. as a kid. And it definitely didn't serve me as a female and as an adult. Um, and when you start to work with clients, you learn how to talk to people. You learn how to be respectful. And luckily I had, you know, a good upbringing in the sense, but you know, as a kid, you're like, I don't want to say please. And thank you. I don't want to be the nice person. Why do I always have to open the door? And I, I learned over the years that if you just put yourself in that role, it almost eliminates expectation of other people doing that. So I say, please. And thank you. First, I open the door first for other people. I offer to take out the trash. I will say sorry first because I keep my side of the street clean. And that's something someone said once that stuck with me. And I was like, no matter what, everywhere I've ever worked, like I could go back tomorrow and ask for a job and they would probably hire me because I just learned not to burn bridges. And I learned not to leave things that you could own, like for any sort of like chance that they might misunderstand you. I'm quick to say, I'm sorry. I'm quick to own something. And I just noticed that most people are not. And it's surprising still when you say sorry for something or when you own your your part in something. And so furthermore, I did things like exploring breath work and what that would look like for me to release stuck anger and stag- stagnant energy in my body because of the, the way I was reacting, I knew was on me. Like, why was I so sensitive to certain situations? Why did I let things bother me so much that didn't seem to bother other people? And so I had to go inward. And that's where I started to really deep dive into personal development. And Lori Harder kind of became my beacon that I watched because she shared so much on social media of being like that as well. And so I got around other people that I saw that were doing the work. And what kind of work were they doing? Reading books, getting into workshops, going to masterminds, talking about like things that weren't serving them anymore. You know, if you keep saying this keeps happening to me, that's on you to check yourself and really pay attention to like, why do I keep drawing this type of person in? Why do I keep drawing this experience in? And I, I do Peloton a lot and Robin's on there. And she said once, if you follow Robin, you, sh- you should. She said, I, I don't have sympathy for people. She said, but I will, you know, hold space for you. And I will be able to like cheer you on and be there for you. But I, I don't feel sympathy for people. And I thought to myself, what a great way to say that because sympathy, unless it's kind of this like, oh, it's, I feel bad for you or you feel almost that way, I guess. It's kind of how I took it. And when I use the word hype girl, it's like, I'm here to hype you into believing that you can do anything that you want, that you can get out of any current situation. You might feel stuck and that the life we're given as a child or the things we're conditioned to believe are your responsibility to a certain point in your life. And as an adult, it is now your responsibility to shift that, change that, whether it's money mindset, whether it's belief, worthiness, whatever that feels or looks like. Um, and when life kicks you, and they'll kick you again, you get to decide like, what am I going to do about it? Am I going to lay here and take it? Or am I going to get back up and keep going? I poured my heart, my soul, and even tears into writing a book that is a love letter to every woman I know. She who wins the book is for every woman who is told to smile, to quiet down, and to shrink themselves into their smallest version. It's for every woman who's trying to figure out what's next. It's for every woman who thinks this is as good as it gets. She who wins is for the good girl within who is ready to become the fierce female fighting to get out. Visit shewhowinsbook.com for exclusive free bonuses when you order now. 
did you find yourself on this journey? And I'm, I'm curious um, because my husband and I were just talking about the whole personal development journey. Um, I'm in my forties also, but did you find that, that you embarked on that in your forties? Like, were you on that journey in your twenties or even in your thirties or was this something like when you hit this decade, you, you started to look at life in a different way? I think I'd always been influenced by things like my mom. My mom, I remember when The Secret came out, my mom making me watch that and listen mm-hmm. to those books. So I think before I even realized what I was reading or, or kind of consuming, um, it yeah. was being shown to me. And so I think yeah, Tony Robbins was around. There was the Joe Dispenza, start the conversations around that. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think I was influenced earlier than I would like even be able to recall probably in my 20s. And then it wasn't until kind of my mid 30s that again, that's when Lori Harder and I connected and I started to watch her journey and she showed me people like Gabby Bernstein and Jack Canfield and different people that were not so maybe woo, but they were just teaching you ways to move in the world. And and it was all really about ownership. So I would probably say in my mid to late thirties, but I'm 42 now. So not super long. Like, I mean, this is like six, seven years, but what was the biggest catalyst for me was Lori and I taught a, um, we hosted a strong fitness camp here in San Diego for strong fitness magazine. And when she was leaving, she said, Hey, have you ever been to one of my events? And I said, no. And so she gifted me a ticket to her bliss project was this like in-person big women's event. And so I went, I didn't know what I was going to. I'm thinking it's some little meetup, you know, and it's a, a room full of 400 women who are all just hungry for this like connection. And I, I didn't even know. Right. So I'm sitting in the back of the room and these various speakers are talking. And, and it was like the first time that I realized that I may have read a few books. I may have heard a few podcasts, but I wasn't integrating any of the information. I wasn't actually living that or truly asking myself what I want. It was more about what is around me. How do I fit in? How do I be successful like everybody else? It wasn't like, what are my dreams and goals? It was still about proving to my mom that hairdressing was a real career. And I had Mm -hmm. Kai at the time who was like, I was still in like survival mode. So I remember leaving that event and thinking like, holy shit, like, now I know better. <laughs> I have to do better. And that's when the questions started to come. And that's when the next year, you know, I went back as a volunteer and then her husband launched this mastermind. So it was like this, yeah, it's, it's been a journey, but I would say mid to late thirties for sure. What I love about live events, I host a live event too. And what, and I've been to a lot of them is the women who show up there are so committed to supporting each other and hyping each other up. And yeah the connection is it's, you know, for me, it's the speakers are always usually amazing, but it's the connection and those conversations in between things and over lunch that you have and people who are probably the same as you that you're still connected with some people who are my dearest friends now. And it's like, you look out there and say, there's so many women out there who want to cheer you on, support you, pull up all of the the folding chairs at the table and keep extending the table. So it goes on and on and on. It isn't a competition. It's, you know, there's so much room and abundance for, mm-hmm. for, for everyone. And I always say, because often women will say, well, I don't have that network. I'm like, well, you need to find a different room, find a different community, go to, you know, listen to your podcast, go to the events because they're there. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the cool thing about when there's speakers at an event Maybe it's not exactly what you needed to hear. Maybe it's just them starting a conversation that at lunch, you can turn around and talk to that stranger next to you and connect on something that 
even if you spent a week with that person, you would have never gotten vulnerable or depthful enough to talk about that, right? Because that's the cool thing about having different people share their stories or their perspective. Maybe it's not where you're at in your life and maybe you didn't learn some huge framework to shift your, but it got you to connect with that person next to you. And that's probably why you went to the event was to meet some new friends or to find people or to get in different environments. Because yeah, that is one of the biggest things we hear people say is, you know, I don't have people like that to talk to. If I share my big wild dreams that my friends just think I'm stupid or, you know, when I was in the industry, it's like, if I hadn't changed or shifted anything, every single person in my world would have been happy, happier, right? Nobody wants to lose their hairdresser. Nobody wants like all my family that comes to me, like they want me to stay the same available doing those things. Now they're like, what do you do? Where are you going? What's happening? Like, like they can't keep up. And for the longest time, I felt so weird and guilty about like, oh, you chose another job that wasn't real podcasting, right? First, you're a hairdresser. Now you're a podcaster. Like, can't you get a real job? And, you know, I had to at some point, and I would say in my 40s, this is just clicked for me is like, own, own what you want and who you are, and then go find people to match that, right? Whatever you're putting out, if you're expressive, and you share it, like you will find other people like you. And that's why events I do think are so amazing. So it's funny because my ex-husband, who we have a great relationship, but I was talking, but I'm in the process of exiting my brick and mortar business right now too. And so he said, well, what are you going to do? Your Instagram thing? And I'm I'm like, you know, people don't get it. They don't know and they don't have to. You don't have to explain to anyone. But this is like the perfect opportunity to bring up the next question I was going to ask you because you talk about walking away from something that is working. It's, you know, it's so common to walk away from something that's not working, but I want to talk about walking away from something that is working because I think that's even scarier than walking away from the thing that's not working. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely scarier because pain points make us make change usually. So if you're in a deep enough pain point, right, you're not getting paid enough. You hate your boss. You hate the current job that you're doing. Like that's a excusable thing, right? You hate your partner, right? They've done something terrible. You could say F you and be out of there, but it's hard when you're in something that's good enough or working quote unquote, or you're making a lot of money. And that's like what you're trying to, you know, center as the level of success that you've hit. For me, it was that pivotal moment where when I was looking at my life and I was like, if nothing changes in the next five years, like this is it, this is as good as it's going to get. And I'm in my thirties. Like Luckily, if I'm like my grandpa, I got another 50 years left. I'm like, I don't think this is this is it for me. There's no way, no how. And if I don't jump into this online space at some point, like I'm going to get left way behind. And that pain point of feeling left out and feeling left behind, I was like, no more. Because I told myself the story of like, you're not smart enough to do tech stuff. You never used a computer. You, you use a paper book still at the salon. <laughs> like you have other people do your accounting. Even when I owned the salon for that brief while, I had help. And I realized like the biggest problem I have in taking action in doing something new is asking for help. And I was like, okay, everybody says, go find proof of when you've done something hard or scary before. Well, I I competed in bodybuilding. I didn't just one day decide to figure out how to eat like that and train like that and then just randomly pick a competition. No, I was like, who's the best trainer in San Diego? Who knows what they're talking about? Going to that person, paying them the money, doing exactly what they say. So When you are thinking about making pivots, when you're thinking about changing, get around other people who, when you share this idea with, they don't shit on it, right? Because if I was to tell a room full of really focused, driven, successful hairdressers, 
that I was out, they would have been like, you're crazy. Why would you not parlay this into being an even better, more successful hairdresser? And my mom said something that actually stung. She was like, you're just bored. That's why you want to leave. And I said, bored? I don't think I've ever been bored a day in my life, except for maybe when I was a kid, we didn't have cable. But I'm like, bored (laughs) is not the right word. I'm not bored. I just know I'm meant for more. And it's an intuition and a knowingness and a little voice inside of me that only I can feel and hear. No one else can feel or hear Mm -hmm. it. And in fact, everyone else would like me to just stay exactly where I am. So they're going to try to label things like you're bored or you're this or this is that. Like nobody knows what you're thinking except for you. And so only you can start to explore what that might look or feel like in your future. And you don't have to burn the boats to then go try something new. Like for me, if you look at my past, you know, a couple of years, I tried a few different things in the online space. I created courses for hairdressers. I hosted those networking brunches that everything was great and did well. But but then I was like, no, this isn't it. This isn't mm-hmm. it. Like this didn't work because I didn't... L- for me, I knew I had to find something that met my needs. I was a really good hairdresser. I am a really good hairdresser. That doesn't mean that's the only thing I'm ever going to be good at. Yeah. When I first picked up a pair of scissors, like I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't even cut a straight line. I've messed up so many heads of hair. I've messed <laughs> up hair like with bleach. I've done so many terrible. I fucked up my own hair. Like, but yet I still figured out how to be really good at my career. Right. So yeah. when I hear people say they tried things, or oh, I tried that. I made a post. I, I did a podcast once. I posted something on YouTube once. We want this quick overnight like virality, but then what? You have no experience. You have no context for when things hit shit hits the fan in the future, which it will. Ask any successful business person. They have lost way more than they have won, right? Hopefully the winning though fills something up for them. So along my journey of figuring out what it was, podcasting wasn't the thing I thought I was going to fall in love with or become obsessed with, but I would have never found out I was unless I started, right? I would have never figured out that I actually love helping other people start their podcasts because they're like me where they were like, oh, I'm not smart enough. I don't think I have enough content. How will I figure out the tech? Then I have to like all this stuff that you come up with excuses, right? Like I still had to build my business behind the chair. I still had to respond to clients. I still had to show up with my hair and makeup done every day. I still had to stand on my feet every day, right? That's hard work. I was like, you know how to work hard. Go put that much focus and energy into something else and see what happens and then tell me it didn't work, right? You've been doing this for two years. Show me 22 years of hard work over here and then we can talk. Mm. People fall down too quickly because they're not willing to scrape their knees. They're not willing to be new. And we've got this new term and I've recently been like, I care about it. And I don't know, this imposter syndrome shit. I'm like, no, you're just insecure and you're new. So like, you Imposter is just a dumb word for like, I don't know what I'm doing. You, how are you supposed to know what you're yeah. doing? You just started. Today's your first day. You're today, you're today's years old when you figured out how to turn your podcast mic on, right? Like, yeah. If you listen to my first 25 episodes, they're terrible. They are terrible, but I leave them on there because I want people, if they ever wanted to see my growth, like, there you go. I didn't yeah. speak as well. I didn't know what I was doing. My question sounded stupid. The audio was terrible, like all the things. And so going back to your main question of, being okay with wanting more than what you have. Like I listened to my friend say something the other day about she, she does this gratitude practice, right? We write down a couple of things that we're grateful for every morning before I get out of bed, I close my eyes and I try to think of a few things I'm grateful for. It just starts my morning off on the right foot, but we can 
grateful ourselves so into not wanting more, not seeking out more, right? My other friend, she has a podcast, um, the Get Up Girl Show. Her name's Joanna Vargas. She always asks herself the question, how much better can it get? How much better can today be, right? And that's not not being grateful. You're grateful for what you have, but you can also want more. Um, so I think with that being said, like if you're in a current situation where there's parts of you that are still into it, like how can you incorporate, maybe you can go part-time. So that's what I did. I started working four days a month behind the chair instead of four days a week, right? So I took a huge income cut, but I still had my base. I still had my bread and butter. I still was making just enough to rob Peter to pay Paul to start my other side hustle hobby, which was the podcast and figure out what I could do with that. And then when I thought to myself, I know there are people making money on shows. Who do I know that I could ask more about this? So I found some podcast friends and I had them on the show. And and then I know that they charge a couple hundred dollars or a couple thousand dollars even for guest like uh, coaching. And I was like, can podcasting be a six-figure business? And they're like, oh my God, absolutely. I actually make six figures podcasting while I do these six other things. And I was like, okay, proof. There's the proof. I don't have it for myself, but I see other people are doing it. So you're telling me that I can make six figures running a podcast just like I do at the salon, but I can do it from anywhere. And at the core of like my why and why I wanted to really change careers was because I wanted to be location free by choice, right? I still love having a home base. I still love having like, I, I wish I still had my studio and I had all that. And one day maybe I will, but really I wanted the freedom to work from anywhere. I had never had that in over 20 years. So that's kind of was my why and my, my main focus. I also wanted to be able to pick my kid up from school at 2.30 and most jobs don't have that ability. I wanted to take the days off that he had. So there were a lot of deeper reasons why. And when I work with people starting their show, I, I always really want to connect with that why and remind them of that and have them put it somewhere. So on days when it's challenging and tough or when the tech doesn't work because it won't work sometimes, you know, you remember like I am doing this for this reason and it keeps you in the game because the grass mm-hmm. is never <laughs> And if you are going from corporate, maybe where there's structure and there's processes and there's a hierarchy to how things are done and you can leave shit at home, I mean, leave at work and go home. If you step into the entrepreneurship space, like be prepared. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? (laughs) It's no joke, but it is very rewarding. And if you go back to that one that you write and you put somewhere on your desk, it will be just as fulfilling, if not the greatest thing that you ever do for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's what do they say? It's like entrepreneurship's the only place where you work 80 hours a week. So you don't have to work 40 hours a week. Yeah. I mean, truth. But once you're in it, you you never go back. So Jess, you, you, I mean, God, you're like, you're, you're so hype. (laughs) Like you're so, you're so high energy. I love everything that you put out there. Um, so I have a final question for you, but before we get there, I want you to tell us how do people connect with you? Where can they find your podcast and all of the things that you have going on? Mm, thank you so much. It, it, honestly, yeah, this energy is like, this is why I only do podcasts in the morning because this is the kind of energy you get. I had the world's great, greatest workout before because I knew I was coming to talk to you. So I was like, mm-hmm. I get myself in an elevated state so I can bring my best self when I do stuff like this. So I'm on Instagram, just like hopefully everyone that's listening. Uh, my name, Jessica Bergio is my Instagram handle. And then the podcast is called Unscripted the Podcast. It has its own page. So I'd love for you to guys go follow that. Check out that podcast if you like what you heard here. Um, and then we recently launched a 
agency where we help other people start their podcast, whether it's wanting to start it, launch it, grow it, scale it, monetize it, whatever called media unscripted. So that is like my thing now, which is all about podcasting and helping other people connect their voice to their brand. Um, and, and by building that through a podcast. So that's where I'm hanging out now. Which is amazing. So there's not, when I started my podcast, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know the mic situation. Yeah. I didn't know any, any of the stuff. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, definitely go connect with Jess and um, she can probably make it a whole lot less painful or make it painless. All right. Final question is what does winning mean to you? Ooh, shit. That's a good question. I love that so much more than success. Mm. I feel like I'm winning every day in life when I honor my word to myself. Winning to me is a personal thing. And when I do the things I say I'm going to do, that's when I feel like I'm winning and I'm being true to myself. I did a whole episode on self-trust and it's really about that in like doing the things you say you're going to do even when no one's watching. Nobody cared today that I went to the gym except for me, right? So that to me is winning. I love it. Thank you, Jess. It was an absolute pleasure and delight to have you with me today. Thank you, my girl. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. Until next time, and remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.